You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Tuesday, the 16th of January, talking Indians baseball today with our good friend Jordan Bastion, Indians reporter for MLB.com. Jordan, as always, uh, we thank you for the time. We'll touch on a few different topics today. The uh, MLB pipeline uh, prospects list is being unveiled this week. Our good friends uh, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, Hard at work, uh, 24-7, 365, and compiling that list, and we'll see what Indians farmhands are going to make the cut. Uh, but first and foremost, just want to start off by kind of diving into the uh, the inbox. Uh, some uh, fans having some questions for you about uh, the state of the 2018 Indians and, uh, uh, you know, the status of certain players, given some health issues and whatnot, and some players that, in the eyes of some fans, Jordan, may have gotten away. Uh, in particular, want to talk about uh, Jay Bruce to get your take on him. He was such a perfect fit uh, being acquired from the Mets at the deadline. He was uh, a huge part of that 22-game winning streak uh, towards the tail end of that streak. Uh, had a walk-off double, I believe, in one of the games that got him to, I believe at the time, uh, 19 or 20 wins. So he was just such a perfect fit for this team. Obviously, he's back with the Mets, uh, signing with them in free agency at three years and $39 million. And I know that a lot of fans are saying, you know, gosh, for you know only – 13 million a year we could have had this guy back he was such a good fit and I know that some fans you know a, a second layer to this is that they kind of bemoan the fact that the Indians brought back Michael Brantley so injury prone and they didn't get back Jay Bruce who, who again was just so good but you had a good breakdown on Indians.com about you know why there's a little more than meets the eye when it comes to the the Brantley and Bruce debate and how they're not totally dissimilar despite the fact that you know Brantley's had the health issues and Bruce put up some great numbers, but when healthy, they're not that far apart. So kind of break down for us, you know, why the decision was made on Brantley, why it was not made on Bruce, and again, just, you know, how similar these two players really are. Yeah, I mean, fans really took to Bruce right away. I mean, and it was also an aggressive trade at the time for the Indians to get him. And at the time, the Indians were without both Michael Brantley and Lonnie Chisholm So acquiring Bruce was you know, not only a big move for the Indians, but it was opportunistic and, you know, and filled a need at the time. You know, as the Indians sit here today, they're expecting to have Brantley ready for, you know, hopefully most of the season. He's still recovering from an ankle surgery, but they're hopeful that he can be ready for opening day or maybe a little bit into the early portion of the season. And Lonnie Chisholm is going to be back um, and, and healthy, ready for opening day, presumably, you know, unless anything happens this spring. But so they have the guys that were down at the time when they acquired Bruce. So that's part of the equation. As far as picking up Michael Brantley's team option for $12 million, I mean, this was a decision they had to make right away, you know, right out of the shoot when the World Series ended. You know, they had a few days to go over. They had a few days to, you know, and the October period to sort of analyze the free agent market, project what guys might make, project what Michael Brantley's value would be. And when you really look at what Brantley's production was, the $12 million asking price for one year, it's actually pretty good value. The, where it gets complicated for the Indians is they didn't have a ton of monetary wiggle room. So even though $12 million is good value for Brantley, that actually kind of hinders what they could do financially the rest of the way this winter. But you got to remember, at the time, free agency hadn't opened yet. Jay Bruce and Carlos Santana, who the Indians also lost in free agency, I mean, those were among the guys who were hitting the open market and expecting to get big paydays. And I think Jay Bruce was anticipating getting a larger contract than he wound up getting with the Mets. Uh, and right now, if you look at the number of outfielders 
that are still unsigned. I mean, this market has developed very, very slowly. I think the Indians at the time of that decision were saying, we need, you know, we could either lock a guy in now or you inherit all the risk of the offseason of, of not knowing. You don't know at the time that you pick up Brantley that Jay Bruce is going to sign for $1 million more annually. You know, you, you think he might be making more money. Anyways, so that sort of played into it, the timeline of it. The other aspect is if you really break down uh, what they did, Brantley had a shortened season, so that's obviously a lot of risk there. You're going forward knowing that there's injury risk, but you're only having it on a one-year deal. What Jay Bruce did over the course of all of last season, while he had more power, he had 30-plus homers and had the 500-plus slugging, they're not very different players in terms of their overall value. Brantley just gets there in a different way. He's more of a high-contact type hitter, a lot more consistency, a guy that is more known for hitting close to 300 and having a good on base. Maybe not the same type of slugging, but kind of at the end of the day, when you add up all their numbers, they kind of project to be around the same type of guy. I think last year I broke down, um, you know, Bruce had a higher war, but if you look at war per games played, Bruce was 0.184 and Brantley was 0.178. Like almost identical. Uh, And you're looking at a slugger going into his age 31, 32, 33 years with Bruce. And you're looking at Brantley who has the risk of injury. And now you've avoided a long-term commitment and you've rolled the dice on a short-term commitment. And on top of that, when you look at the next free agent class for the Indians, they potentially have Cody Allen, Andrew Miller, Michael Brantley, Josh Tomlin, Lonnie Chisholm, Zach McAllister, uh, potentially Brandon Geyer, depending on his option. You have all these guys potentially becoming free agents next year when the Indians are going to have to look at their financial situation and prioritize. You know, They might have to replace Miller and Allen in the bullpen. Well, that's going to cost money. Just look at what relievers are getting this year. So by committing a shorter-term deal to Brantley, you're also freeing up maybe some more finances next year to try and guard against all those other holes that you might have to fill to keep this window open for this Indians team. And Jordan, when you look at the state of baseball right now, and you know, you know the the freshest thing in people's minds uh, is the the home the uh, the World Series, which was a glorified mm-hmm. home run derby at times. So you've got that in your mind. And there's so much emphasis now on launch angle and getting the ball in the air and consequently hitting home runs. Is that why do you think that in the eyes of, of many fans, not all, but many, that Bruce was a more appealing option than Brantley? Oh, for sure. I mean, everyone loves, you know, chicks dig the long ball, right? Of course. That old commercial with Greg, yes. Greg Maddox. <laughs> yeah, we all love that. And most dudes uh, people, do too nowadays, so let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> people love home runs. But, I mean, you can look at I don't. I can't think of his numbers off the top of my head, but I think a guy last year – like Rugnit Odor. I think he hit 30-plus home runs when you looked at his weighted runs created plus or his OPS plus. He was well below league average in terms of hitting. Now, it's not fair to really compare him to Bruce because Bruce was an above-average hitter. Uh, He had a a 115 OPS plus, which means he was 15% better than league average last year. So this guy was a, a guy who sort of bought into the fly ball revolution and did it effectively. You know, so it's not to say you don't want to clump him in with guys that are hitting 30 home runs and, and are below average. You know, he doesn't really fit into that category. But I do think from a fan's perspective, you're right, that a lot of fans see 30 home runs and think we're losing a 30 home run hitter without sort of considering the full offensive picture. I was talking to a front office executive uh, earlier this winter just about how, how in, within front offices and even within fans' uh, mindsets, you almost have to shift 
what you've known about home runs. Like when, when we were kids, if a guy hit 30 home runs, like you, you sort of knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. Where now, if a guy hits 30 home runs, it means something totally different. Yeah. You know, a, a guy like Francisco Lindor, I think years ago, you wouldn't have imagined a shortstop of his build and his defensive talents. And you, you wouldn't have imagined him being a 30 home run hitter. But in the environment that the game is today, he is a 30 home run hitter. But so are a lot of other players. Yeah, absolutely. And and you said it perfectly when we were kids, you know, if, if a guy hit 30 home runs in a season, it was like, wow. You know, I mean, that that was a, a magical, mythical number. And for a guy to get Now to you're 30, going, why aren't you hitting 30 yes, home runs? You know? Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have 30 by the All-Star break, you're slumping. You're having a bad year. So that's just the era we're in. But, uh, you know, great explanation as to why, you know, Bruce is the, the kind of the, the sexier option between himself and Brantley. But we've seen Brantley win healthy, how good he can be, a top three MVP finisher not that all that long ago. And if he gets back to full health, no reason to think he can't reach those heights again. Uh, Jordan shifted gears here. The uh, Indians and Twins are going to play uh, a few games in uh, Puerto Rico during the regular season. That comes up in uh, mid-April following the Indians' uh, first traditional homestand at Progressive Field. Uh, talk about how this kind of came about, and obviously uh, a lot of players on the Indian squad, uh, natives of Puerto Rico, and how much this means to them. Yeah, I mean, I think MLB, it's been pretty clear in recent years they're trying to, to expand the international reach and – you know the this this series wasn't a response to to the hurricane. I mean, they had this thing planned ahead of time, and now it just sort of becomes almost a celebration of the island's recovery. And I think guys like Roberto Perez and Francisco Lindor, and the players from the Twins who who hail from Puerto Rico, they're really looking forward to this. I've talked to Roberto Perez a few times this winter because um, his mother lost her house in the storm on the western coast of the island, and so he's been back and forth. Uh, between Puerto Rico and Cleveland this winter, you know, talking to her about building her a new home, and you know that was the home he grew up in, and he, you know, how fortunate he feels to be in a position to help his own family. But now also he feels fortunate to be a part of this series, which can sort of uh, put Puerto Rico in the spotlight and show the recovery. And you know, I was just there on a vacation. Uh, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't there touring uh, the stadium or anything like that. But in my trip there and my week spent. You know, I talked to a lot of people, uh, you know, along my along my trip, you know, just in restaurants and, and cabs. And, you know, every single one of them, it seemed like, knew somebody that was still without power. Um, you know, I talked to one one man who really praised the public response in in the aftermath of the storm and how, how many people had been coming down to Puerto Rico to help out and, you know, how many people had been putting together funds. And, you know, we saw, you know, a lot of buildings that were still – you know, boarded up and next to buildings that were being rebuilt. And I mean, it was really something to be down there uh, to see it firsthand. And I think we're talking about a series that's, you know, a couple months from now, it's going to be even better situation. Yadier Molina actually had a charity event in early December, 20,000 people packed that stadium. And I think over 200,000 was raised for hurricane relief funds. So a lot of positive things are coming out of a very big negative thing. And, I think this series, this two-game series of the Twins, is just going to be a continuation of that in April. Yeah, absolutely agree. And uh, we cannot uh, overlook uh, just how much uh, work there is left to be done, uh, just how much devastation that area endured uh, through the hurricanes. But as you said, the recovery effort is ongoing. And, uh, you know, hopefully this is going to be a celebration not only of baseball but of that recovery effort uh, come mid-April. And uh, I just can't wait to see – 
uh, the enthusiasm and the excitement we're going to see uh, from the fans in the stands because uh, we know how much uh, they love their baseball down there to have some of their native sons back on the field and playing meaningful games. Uh, it, it's going to be a wonderful experience all the way around. Uh, Jordan, to come down the home stretch here, as I said at the top of the podcast, the uh, MLB uh, pipeline prospects list is soon to be unveiled a bit later on this week. And uh, tell us uh, some of the names that Indians fans can expect to see on that list of some guys that uh, hopefully are not too far away from uh, making it to the show. Yeah, I think uh, the guy that came out on the first list was the top ten right-handed pitchers. He was ranked ninth. Uh, it was Tristan McKenzie. He's a pretty exciting uh, young right-handed pitcher for the Indians. 20 years old now, first-rounder. Uh, a few years ago for the tribe, and last year, um, you know, he sort of advanced from a two-pitch mix to working on a developing changeup, and logged 143 innings, struck out 186 batters, uh, had a 3.46 ERA, and did so with a full season at Class A advanced Lynchburg. So this is a guy that, you know, for his minor league career, is averaging over 11 strikeouts per nine inning, great strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, is really showing that blend of, of power and precision. And this is a, a tall, lanky kid that still has a lot of room to grow physically. And he's very young for the leagues he's been. I think he was almost four years younger than the average player in the Carolina League. So he's a really exciting guy that when you look at this rotation now, uh, you know, Kluber, Carrasco, Bauer, these guys that were acquired in various ways, uh, developed and have sort of led to this period of success, well, when you start forecasting to, you know, how are the Indians going to sort of maintain this reputation and, and sustain the success, a guy like Tristan McKenzie looks like a, a big building block. And, you know, as the other lists come out, we'll see what happens. But I think catcher Francisco Mejia is pretty much a lock to be included uh, in the top catchers, maybe arguably the top catcher in baseball. Um, and then another guy that I think could make the list among first basemen is Bobby Bradley, who's a, a young power hitter within the Indian system and uh, will be in spring training with the team uh, along with Mejia this, this year coming up. So uh, a lot of young prospects coming up. It's, you know, last couple of years you've seen guys graduate to the big leagues, guys like Bradley Zimmer uh, a few years ago, Tyler Naquin, Lindor before them. You've sort of seen the, the building blocks coming up through the system and now becoming cornerstones in the big leagues. And, you know, it's kind of fun to watch how these guys develop. So, uh, a guy like Mejia, a guy like McKenzie, those are guys that definitely going to be fun to monitor this season. No question. Uh, the present looks bright, obviously, in the future. Uh, not too shabby as well from the sounds of things. The uh, full lists are coming out uh, later this week, courtesy of MLBPipeline.com. That puts a bow tie on this one, Mr. Bastion. We thank you, as always, for the time, and we'll do it again next week. In the meantime, Matt Waymire signing off for MLB.com Extras, Cleveland Indians.